I'm Chuck Norris, and I approve this game. Between the time when gamers play with miniatures and chainmail, and the rise of the Wizards of the Coast, there was an age of advanced role-playing undreamed of. And onto the Skygats, destined to bear the jeweled crown of TSR upon a troubled brow. It was given to teach us all how to roll for initiative. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, let's get ready to rumble! Welcome to the Roll for Initiative podcast. This is issue number 125. I am DM Vince sitting alongside DM Nick. Hi, everybody. And uh, in addition to our cast, DM Chad. Hey there. And uh, DM... Ma- oh, wait, no, Matt is not here this week. Matt is actually... Uh... I think he's doing a Heroclix thing this week, isn't yeah, he? Yeah, I think he said he was doing something with Heroclix, probably. Yeah, I think he was actually, like, refereeing a tournament or something. Oh, wow. Yeah, I forgot. That's yeah. right, he is. So Matt is off into uh, greener pastures. No, no, he's not dead. <laughs> <laughs> Whoops. Not yet. <laughs> Not yet. Well, this week we have a really special show for everybody out there. We actually got uh, two of the authors of the game Torchbearer that just recently uh, had its books published. They just got them recently. Am I, am I correct, Tor? Yeah. Uh, actually, I have one of these beautiful books in my hands right now. Awesome. And uh, you had some great pictures on G Plus up there. Uh, Showing the books, which really looked really nice. So, uh, why don't you guys take a second to introduce yourself? Starting with Tor, go ahead. Sure. Uh, hi there. I'm Tor Olivesrud. I'm uh, uh, Luke's longtime editor, uh, and uh, this is my uh, the first game that I've designed, which I'm really excited about. Uh, although I've I've been uh, a developer on Burning Wheel and some of the other games that Luke has uh, um, has offered. Uh, so that's me. Awesome. And Luke. My name is Luke. Uh, some of you might know me. I've designed uh, Burning Wheel and Mouse Guard and Free Market, Burning Empires, stuff like that. I like to design role-playing games. Uh, yeah, obviously, because you designed this one, too. So, <laughs> Well, I, I, I was more the whipmaster on this one. Tor was the, <laughs> Tor was the designer. Uh, so tell us a little bit uh, about your ba- your background, uh, Tor. We'll start with you first, and then uh, then Luke about how you got into gaming and uh, how long you've been gaming for. What's your favorite games? Things like that. Sure. Um, uh, I started gaming uh, when I was twelve years old. Uh, one of my friends gave me the Red Box uh, for my birthday, uh, and I've been going strong ever since. Um, so that you know that D and D's. Was my start, like it is for, for so many people. Um, and uh, I've played lots of games since then, uh, been all, all over the map. Um, but uh, these days, uh, I mean, my, my favorite game, uh, the, the one that I play the most, uh, aside from Torchbearer, which, uh, which uh, is very near and dear, uh, is Burning Wheel. Um, I have, uh, I'm right now, I'm in one Burning Wheel game uh, a week. Uh, it was up to three at, at one point. Uh, that was a little hard to sustain. Wow. Wow, that's pretty impressive. <laughs> yeah, it was, it, was, uh, it was good while it lasted, uh, but uh, it gets a little exhausting. I was running two of them. 
and playing in one. Wow. And Luke? Um, well, I just started gaming yesterday. I turned on my Xbox and put in Skyrim <laughs> for the first time. And then I thought it would be a good idea to, you know, I said, wow, what if we could do this in person on paper? This would be amazing. We could explore a world of our imaginations. Oh, uh, so, yeah, just uh, just popped into my head like that. Magic, huh? Like magic, yeah. Awesome. Anyway, <laughs> so uh, Torchbearer, uh, I've heard you guys reference it as a hack of Mouse Guard, and Mouse Guard obviously was nominated for three uh, any nominations in two thousand in two thousand nine. So why don't we start with Mouse Guard first? What was the idea behind Mouse Guard making that creating that game? Um. Uh, well, I mean, the, in the first issue of Mouse Guard. There's one of the characters says to one of the other ones, it's not what you fight, but what you fight for. Um, and when my friend Clinton showed me that, I was like, oh, wow, that's that's cool. That's spot on. Um, and uh, so when the opportunity came up for us to design the RPG, um, it was our third game at that point. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we, we had a pretty clear idea of a lot of the mistakes we had made and just the direction we went in. And I think the, the strongest suit for Mouse Guard was one that we had a tone for writing set up at the beginning and just um, we wanted to be clear, instructive, and use as few um, negatives and imperatives as possible. If you read the Mouse Guard text, it's uh, very much just you do this, you do this, you do this. There's no you, you know, do not do this. There's no you must do this. Um, you know, or at least they're very rare. Um, so that, and then the, the really interesting thing about Mouse Card is it kind of came to us whole cloth. Like Tor and I sat down one day and concepted out the whole game, um, and it didn't change too much from that concept, uh, which is different than the other games, which you know evolve through play. Um, so, so yeah, it, uh, it, you know, we really like it and, uh, we've, we've played it a bunch and lots of people seem to play it and like it. So, so right. it seems like a successful game. Absolutely. Okay. So we've, we got mouse car going now, all of a sudden the idea of an old school role-playing game comes out of it. You guys decide Torchbearer. What was the... What was the, the thoughts behind Torchbearer? How did that come to fruition? Well, uh, there there were a lot of threads, actually, that sort of came together at the same time. I mean, one, um, uh, I was really excited by what uh, I saw going on in the OSR. Um, I was playing uh, and uh, reading stuff like Lamentations of the Flame Princess um, and uh, you know, later Adventure Conqueror King, um, I, I was looking at some of the, uh, the OD&D stuff that I was getting in my hands on and Moldvay, uh, you know, the Frank Menser basic stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was really excited about that and I, I wanted to, to get some of that feeling back in my gaming. Uh, at the same time, one of the things that I was really excited about in Mouse Guard was the way it handled environmental challenges. Uh, in, in Mouse Guard, the weather, uh, as well as things like, Streams and rivers and storms, uh, um, forest fires—all that stuff is really exciting. Um, dealing with it, dealing with it, is an adventure in and of itself. Uh, 
And so I, I, I really liked that concept. Um, at the same time, people were... Uh, you know, so in Mouse Guard, we had this idea of a, a GM's phase and a player phase. Um, sorry, uh, a GM's turn and a player's turn. Right. And uh, people were really confused by that. They, they, they felt that it was um, a, a structure that they weren't used to. Uh, and for me, you know, that, that idea really came out of uh, D&D. Um, the idea that you, know, you would go out and you'd go into the dungeon and you'd explore. And then um, you know, once, once you'd had your exped- expedition and you were getting a little low on resources, um, you'd head back to town and sort of resupply, rest, regain your hit points um, before heading out again. Uh, and so that's where the idea came from in, in Mouse Guard. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so with Torchbearer, it really started as a proof of concept to show uh, where that idea came from, uh, and it sort of uh, metastasized and grew out of control. Awesome. So uh, the book, very well written and very well designed. Uh, I, who did your design on the book? I'm looking for the name. What, do you, what kind of design do you mean? Uh, the layout the, design. Sorry about that. Oh, that's all Luke. I do all the layout for all my games. Excellent job, excellent job. I like how it flows very nicely. It, it's written really well as well, and editing very well. I see you got Jeff D to do some pictures in the inside. Yep, yep. He was uh, very professional. Uh, he's still churning away uh, out there, making all sorts of cool art for folks. So it was, it was nice to be able to work with him. Absolutely. So let's get a little into how the system works. I noticed that it's a D6 type base system. And after reading, everything is based on successes or scoundrels, as you call them, uh, for failures. So why don't you tell me a little bit how the it, it works? Obviously, the more successes, the better. And how do the scoundrels work against the successes? Go for it, Tor. Sure. Uh, so, uh, like you mentioned, it's a it's a d6 die pool system. Um, so whatever you do, uh, you're going to roll. You know, whether it's your st- uh, stat or a skill. Um, you're going to roll its rating in dice. Um, you know, if you have a fighter of four, you're going to roll four six-sided dice. Um, and fours, fives, and sixes on uh, uh, results on those dice are successes. Uh, ones, twos, and threes are scoundrels. Uh, and generally, you will be rolling either uh, versus an opponent uh, who's also rolling dice, and you want to get more successes uh, than they do, or you're rolling against a set obstacle um, that uh, you know, you'll, you'll find uh, most of our skills have what we call factors uh, in the game that, that allow, you to set, uh, allow the GM to set an obstacle uh, and you want to meet or exceed that uh, in uh, numbers of successes. So pretty simple. Okay. Hey, okay. Luke, uh, Tor, this is Chad. I wanted to ask, uh, you guys have gotten some great press with both Forbes as well as Wired on Mouse Guard and on Torchbearer. And in the Forbes article, uh, you were quoted as, as I believe, Luke, you were quoted as saying uh, you, you called Torchbearer kind of an advanced mouse guard in dragons. Uh, can you <laughs> yes. get into that a little bit? Oh, sure. Um, I mean, we love mouse guard, uh, but it's a pretty simple game. Uh, like the complexity of the game doesn't deepen um, as you, you know, as you play for longer, you know, it's it's got a, a flat complexity curve uh which is great you know and i'm, I'm very proud of that design uh for its accessibility and simplicity 
but Tor and I like deep games. I mean, Burning Wheel is you know is a is a game that continues to grow with you. I mean, you can play Burning Wheel every week for um, years, and and still you know the game's going to expand in front of you. Uh, so we wanted to just bring a little bit of that sensibility back into Torchbearer. Okay, well, how does that, like, now, you also describe the PCs as being a bunch of murder hobos exploring improbable ruins because you ah, that's where the jobs. term comes from. God I love is. that, murder hobos. Yeah, we've been using that in my group, too. <laughs> uh, well, we didn't develop the term murder hobos. I would never want to take uh, uh, credit for that. That's a term from RPGNet uh, that we learned by, you know, waiting in the shark pit of RPG net for years. Uh, Aptly termed. Yes. Yeah. Um, It was, I I think that term comes from the conversation about murder hobos in fantasy Vietnam. And that's just such a weird and wonderful idea that we definitely, you know, use it as a touchstone for this design. How does, how does the philosophy of Torchbearer then differ as far as from the PC's perspective from other traditional fantasy games? Uh, can can you repeat that question yeah based on from the pc the player character perspective Mm -hmm. how does the philosophy of torchbearer differ from other traditional fantasy role-playing games well so i think it really comes down to this concept of tradition or excuse me conditions that we brought over from mouse guard uh, although we altered them for this game um so the idea not just that uh, that you can get injured, uh, but you might become hungry or sick or tired or um, or even angry, and and these things, uh, you know, as you're exploring these improbable ruins and and uh, and that sort of thing, um, they they can really affect you and and your teamwork and your ability to uh, um, uh, to make good decisions. Uh, you know, and so that I think that's really where the feeling, the the difference comes from. Now, in the game, also, I, I believe you guys do a lot of stressing on the logistics, the mechanics, light sources, for instance. Mm-hmm. Uh, would you say go a bit into that? I, I really thought that was pretty interesting about the game because I'm the type of person that I'm always asking the players in my games. How are you seeing? You're in the dark. Right. Right. Um, uh, we um, we think that there's just a lot of drama around that kind of survival narrative. Uh, and we think it's something that the, the hobby has moved away from as we've moved more toward character-focused and story-focused games. You know, it's easy to just move away from that kind of nitty-gritty stuff of... of All right, the PCs glow. <laughs> sure. I mean, it's just... You know, when you're dealing with feelings, it's just not as important um, to worry about the light source or, or your backpack or something like that. But it's that's something that we really enjoy about uh, Moldvay is the survival aspect of play. And Moldvay is wonderful, but it is also a very simple game, and it doesn't like it, it. Also, moves away from that survival narrative as you get higher, you know, higher and higher level, and you can afford more and more co- uh, equipment and whatnot, and it's just it's not um, it's not as interesting to us, right? Well, so, does that then continue on with uh, per se in the later editions of Dungeons and Dragons? They seem to focus more on the uh, the role 
as opposed to the preparation. Does Torchbearer, does it encourage the players to go into great detail on how they're doing something? And does that detail benefit their chances of success? Uh, so I'll jump in and answer that. Um, it does. Uh, you, you have to describe what you're doing. And, uh, and in fact, uh, by describing what you're doing, you know, if you, if you describe it well enough uh, and it makes sense to everyone, you know, the, the GM might decide that that's a, a good idea and, and just let it succeed, uh, which I think is a very uh, you know, sort of old school principle, uh, you know, directly out of uh, the, the uh, primer for old school play, right? Um, totally agree. And so I really want, want the game to encourage that sort of uh, clever and cunning play. Uh, and so preparation is important. Bringing the right gear is important. But then the skills also allow you to, uh, to really try to create that gear in play if you need it. Um, you know, being a, a survivalist isn't just about, you know, uh, picking the right camp. It's about being able to to create tools, uh, you know, survival tools that you need uh, as you go. Um, so I, I think that, you know, there's a, there's a nice little interface there between uh, the system and, and rolling for something and describing it. Uh, you're, you're really encouraged to describe, uh, but at the same time, uh, you know, if, if you describe it well, uh, you might bypass an obstacle and otherwise, um, you know, you, you can test and, and come up with some tool that will help you. Um, so I don't know if that answers the question. No, that, that answers it really well. I, I've always thought it was kind of funny. I, when I was at uh, GaryCon this last year, uh, during one of the parties that goes on over there at night, I had a nice lengthy debate with somebody about whether or not it was sufficient simply to say, I made my role, I climbed the, roll, the wall, yeah. as opposed to somebody really going into detail about it. And, and, and I like the fact that you guys are putting that – a, you know, a bit of emphasis on the description as well as simply making the role. Yeah, uh, I mean, one of the conceits is that uh, the players can't actually say what skills they're using. Um, the, uh, the the players say what their characters are doing, and then the GM calls for uh, a skill role if required. Um, so you really can't do anything without that description. Sounds like my games. I like how you guys incorporated that into actual rules of the game, so that's awesome. Nick, you have any questions? Yeah, you? actually, I do have a awesome. couple of them. Uh, DM Nick here, by the way. Um, one of the questions I had was on the on the on the characters themselves, as far as the uh, the, the system is being a skill based system, like you said, with with a d six die pool kind of thing, which I really like. It kind of an Reminiscent of, I guess, with like the old Star Wars D6 game by West End, which I, uh, a lot of us really enjoy, and it sounds somewhat like that. Uh, is there an idea, like, as far as the concepts of characters, there's like character classes as well? Is it a little bit more open-ended in that regard? And also about r maybe different races, if you can elaborate on that, if there are any. Sure. Um, so we... Uh you know, we we took Moldvay as our sort of uh, core inspiration. Uh, so, you know, we have uh, we have classes. Uh, but the classes and races, uh, you know, a, ra a race is a class. Okay. Um, uh, at least for right now, um, you know. So you can play you can play a dwarf adventurer, you can play a halfling burglar, you can play an elven ranger, 
um, or a human warrior, a human cleric, or human magician. Okay. Um, and uh, I could certainly see fans uh, um, creating, you know, another elven uh, class or another uh, dwarf class. Uh, I'm not sure that we're going to support that. Um, but, uh, you know, it's, it's certainly possible. And uh, also, we've, we've uh, uh, for backers of the Kickstarter, we created a, a, a human thief and a human paladin, um, which we are going to release as soon as they're done. They're, they're oh, playtesting wow. right now. Great. Uh, also, as far as a magic system, how does that work as, as far as a concept for that uh, in the game? Uh, we went full on Vanskian spellcasting. Uh, you know, so you, uh, you know, a magician has so many uh, spell slots; they increase uh, as he or she levels. Um, and uh, you know, you um, you you cast them, and then uh, you get them back. You can rememorize when you camp. Okay. Uh, and uh, you know, the magicians have spells that they uh, that they know that they've got in their spell books, um, yeah. and the clerics. Can uh, you know once they hit second level, uh, they don't get any spells at first level except for uh, for uh, a spell that's like turn undead. Oh, okay. uh, at at second level, they can pick any spell from uh, the first circle uh, prayer list. Um, so it's uh, very like early D and D in that respect. Mm-hmm. As I say, it sounds very familiar. To that so people jumping in this, they'll still look and say, ah. I, I, I could see this and this. Oh, kind of cool here. All right. And there's some new stuff. So uh, I like how you you took some of those concepts, like you said, from the, you know, from the Metzer edition and maybe a little bit from AD&D. But you kind of, you threw, you threw all your own spin on it with a, with a D6 uh, dice pool system. I think that's a, that's a really neat, uh, that's a rather unique way of going about it. Uh, well, thank you. Yeah, we're we're pretty excited about it, uh, and uh, uh, it's it's a lot of fun to play. Hey, Luke, so. could you go into the "let it ride" rule? I, I'd like to know a little bit more about that. Sorry, Nick, oh, if I interrupted. Oh, no problem. Go ahead. <laughs> well, that's from Burning Wheel. I mean, we can talk about Burning Wheel. If you oh, you're right. You know what? I was there, I was at the wrong part. Of there is of my notes. no "let it ride" rule in Torchbearer. <laughs> well, that actually ties into another question. I was going to ask uh, about the interchangeability. You know, how well do the the various games? Uh, you have Mouse Guard. You have Burning Wheel. Uh, uh, you know, and, and Torchbearer. Is there any? You know, with and a lot of times people will combine into hybrids their various editions of Dungeons and Dragons. Can you do anything like that with the various games that you created? Yeah, I was just thinking, could could we could you conceivably do a mouse guard torchbearer mashup, if you will? Could yeah, that yeah. Happen? Empire. Yeah, it would be it'd be very simple. All the the uh the core of Mouse Guard and Torchbearer are exactly the same. So I mean it would just require a uh, you choosing which weapon set to use um, and choosing which skill set to use um, or, and or which conditions. Oh, right. And which conditions to use. Yeah. Uh, but, but really uh, the, the core mechanics are the same. So you could totally play Saxon in Torchbearer if you really wanted to. Or, Interesting. Um, yeah. I mean, when we were first developing Torchbearer, or first releasing it really, we, we released the character creation rules and told people to just grab their mouse card books and play. Um, oh, okay. That's how similar they are. Oh, that's pretty cool. Now, uh, but Burning Wheel and Burning Empire is very different. Uh, you know, they, they still have the D6 die pool system, uh, but everything else is very different. So that, that, that would be much more challenging. 
I am to this day surprised that no one has added plasma rifles to their burning wheel games. Like I don't <laughs> like come on people. It's been like six years. <laughs> Evolve or die. Yeah. So uh, no. speaking about playing the game itself, we've all been talking about, let's get into a, a typical session, how it works between the GM and the player. One of you guys want to run us through how it would work. Like, say, like, um, we're walking into a cave, there's four of us, whatever, a mixed party, and there's the DM has a couple traps hidden. How would the thief go about, or the rogue go about finding that trap, or one of the players go about finding that trap? Or character, I should say. <laughs> sure, go for it. Sure. Uh, so... I mean, the the first thing is, you know, this uh, this sort of principle that we talk about called describe to live, um, right. which is, uh, you know, first the, the GM has to has to really describe the room. Um, you know, you've got to get a sense of, of what's uh, of what's in there, uh, because he 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 acts as uh, or or she uh, acts as the player's eyes and ears, right? Um, right. Uh, and the players are then going to, uh, you know, based on the GM's description, um, talk about you know what they're what they're looking at, you know, what they're they're poking, uh, what you know, tasting maybe, what they're hearing, uh, you know, or, or listening to, um, and based on on that, you know, you're going to get a, a conversation going between the the GM and the players um, a, a, as to what the uh, what actions uh, um, the player the characters are taking, um, and when you know, and I, I mean, I think this should probably sound pretty familiar to uh, to anyone out there that's playing D and D, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when, when you uh, when you get to something, uh, you know, a, a trap that's there, uh, for instance, um, you know, maybe maybe there's uh, a sleeping gas trap uh, in the the secret door. Um, you have to describe how how you're checking that that door uh, and what you're doing, and and if the GM buys it, uh, you know, and it's a really good idea, he'll say it's a good idea, and, and you don't have to go. <laughs> uh, or that's all right. Um, or you know, if if uh, uh, if he he thinks that you're you're interacting with it, but uh, but you haven't quite got um, got his idea, uh, he'll call for a um, scout test, right, to spot the trap. Okay. Right, and then based on on that result, um, you know maybe, maybe if you successfully see it, for instance, right, um, you know he'll he'll describe what you see, and then you've got to figure out how you're going to go about disarming it. Um, so and let's uh, go with the based reference. on your description, he might call for. A, um, a dungeoneer test to uh, to disarm the trap. So let's go to your reference of the sleep of the the gas at the door. And my character mm-hmm. is at the door, and my I'm saying, oh, he he's tapping around the door frame, trying to look to see if there's a mechanism that'll is being held on the door. So if he opens it, it'll spray something out or shoot or trigger something. Maybe a string for a dart, maybe or possibly there might be a pitfall trap. I'll look under the door. Would that as you as you as the GM, would you give me some allowance for dice there, or are you like, okay, that's fine, you find this? How would you handle that situation? Um, so in that case, um, uh, you know, I would say, okay, um, why don't you make a, a, a scout test, and I'd wait to see if anyone else is uh, is assisting you. I mean, do they describe? Um, well, actually, my character is backing away as he's poking and prodding <laughs> at thanks, the possibly <laughs> trap door. But I'm that's, behind you the whole way there. Yeah, that's thanks. a fair result. Uh, so if someone, if someone is helping you and, and it sounds like it would be helpful, I'd say, okay, you can provide a helping die uh, if yeah, you have I'll a skill. Yeah, I'll help them out. I will uh, hold up my lantern there and turn up the brightness as much as I can to give them much, as much illumination. Because, right. you know, I'm playing the cleric. So 
They can't there really find traps. <laughs> so, um, well, a cleric could in this game, uh, yeah. which, is, yeah. uh, which is, you know, as long as you have the scout skill, right? Yeah. Okay. Or even if you don't, you could try with beginner's luck. Um, so, uh, so then you might provide a, a helping die, uh, you know, from your pool uh, that um, Vincent would, uh, would add to his dice to, when he's rolling. Um, and then, uh, you know, we, we'd see whether you meet the obstacle or not. You get the number of successes. Uh, if you succeed, great. Um, you spot the trap. If you fail, then I have, uh, as a GM, some options. I can either allow you to find it and give you a condition. Um, right. You know, I, I might describe you becoming angry uh, as, as a result. You know, your, your friend, uh, your supposed friend is backing away and letting you take the brunt of this. So that makes you angry. Uh, but you find the trap. Um, or I could uh, invoke a twist, mm-hmm. right? Uh, which you know the trap might bite, might go off, or uh, some wandering monsters might come in uh, and ambush you as you're fiddling around with the door. Oh. You know, you bring up an interesting. Now, explain the conditions again. That that's something I I find kind of interesting. Yeah. Uh, so we have a track of conditions, uh, starting from fresh. Uh, which is what you want to be. Uh, you, if you're fortunate enough, you leave town and you're fresh and, and you have an additional die for everything. Um, uh, and then uh, hungry and thirsty uh, is the next one. Uh, uh, angry, exhausted, afraid, uh, injured, sick, and dead. Um, so th- those are the conditions. Uh, each one has different effects. Uh, for instance, if you're afraid, uh, you can't help anyone. Uh, and you can't make beginner's luck tests. You can't do things that you don't know how to do already. Right. And I'm going to assume the dead condition has an effect, too, <laughs> that you're dead. You're, you're dead. You can't help anyone. You can't test. Uh, it, it's a condition because uh, you know, uh, a high-level cleric uh, could, uh, could raise you and, and alleviate that condition, right? Right, and theoretically, I suppose you could actually say Vince was trying to find the trap. He could technically succeed and still get the condition dead. Correct. Right. Well, yes, uh, but there is a limit on that. I, uh, as the GM, you cannot give the dead condition unless they already have either the injured or sick condition, or um, they enter into a fight uh, you know, uh, with the intent to kill someone else. Awesome. Hmm. Now these conditions also can some of them can be removed if I remember correctly by uh, which you encourage a lot of uh, role playing and players taking notes by the prologue which I was reading in there every session one of the players gets the spotlight to recap and if I guess if the players agree that what happened they get to remove one of the minor conditions am I correct on that yeah, Luke yeah. why don't you take this one yeah uh, yeah the, the top of every session we realize that people forget when they. Yeah. play once a week or once every two weeks or whatever. So we have a mechanic to encourage people to sit down and remember what character they're playing and where they were. Uh, so one player um, recounts what happened. And we, we've also learned in our experience that no one ever really wants to do this, or maybe there's just the one person that wants to do it every time. Mm-hmm. So we had to create an incentive system for this to happen. Um, and so you get, you can alleviate a condition, you can recover some of your nature, um, so there's an incentive to, to sit down and be able to recount what happened last session. It really works. Yeah. Uh, it, it's really nice. So, so yes, yeah, so you get a nice um, story about what happened. And usually people chime in, their memories start to loosen up like, oh, right, right, right. And then I did this, and then you did that. Uh, and then, 
yeah, you, you get to uh, to to recover from being hungry, angry, afraid, or exhausted. Um, just not injured or sick. Right, right. It sounds like to me that the overall gameplay is very episodic and theatrical. I guess would be two terms you could call it. It has a very I could really picture in my mind uh, as far as a, a game like this could go. It's, it's it has the feel of a of like a of a of a episodic film or or, or a series, if you will. Uh, maybe I, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, it just seems I, like that's how how it really. It sounds like it kind of flows that way, you know. Yeah, I think another way to say it is, you know, and I've had this happen when I've been when I've ran games at conventions before. You'll get some of the people at the table who want more of a crunchy role based dungeon crawl, and you'll have other people at the table who are into it a little bit more for the story. It sounds like Torchbearer gives the players a little bit of both worlds in a, in a yeah. pretty elegant fashion. It sure does. Yeah, I mean, I think you'll find with all of our games that Tor and I are very interested in the, the game itself and creating a, a, um, a, a deep experience for the user where, you know, there's, there's parts to move. There's a, there's a reason to play our games. There's a reason to play our games instead of another game. You're going to get a different experience. But in that, we, we love role-playing games. We love sitting down um, with a group of other people and seeing things from a character's perspective. Uh, and in, in a role-playing game, that has to be important. Right, it has. There has to be a reason why you're seeing things from their perspective. There has to be you know, the game mechanics have to plug into that perspective in some way. It, you know, otherwise it's just a board game, right? That um, right. where you're talking in funny voices. <laughs> I like that. That's good. Real quick, how uh, now? You guys did the kickoff for Torchbearer. That was at Gen Con, wasn't it? Uh, Unless I'm totally off base on that one. No, we, we haven't officially launched Torchbearer yet. I mean, we did a Kickstarter oh, for okay. it. I thought I'd read that in the article that you guys were planning to it too. Oh, yeah, we were. We, we um, you know, as as with all things in life, it, the, that slipped and we could not, um, we couldn't get it together for the, uh, <laughs> for, for Gen Con. Yeah, uh, so we didn't, we didn't have any books yet. <laughs> you, you guys just well, got, can, the, got the books that recently. That can create a problem. Yeah, so they're they're going out now, and as soon as uh, as our backers have them, then uh, we will launch officially for everyone else. And will that be uh, now? I, I know that you did uh, one. There was a there was one edition of Mouse Guard that was a box set. Uh, do you have any plans to do maybe a box set for Torchbearer? Uh, nope. Um, we did a bo- box set for Mouse Guard, and that is why we're not doing a box set for Torchbearer. <laughs> ah, okay. <laughs> Uh, and there'll be PDFs, I'm assuming, also for Torchbearer? Uh, yep. Yeah, the, the PDF is already out there uh, and available. I thought it was, but yeah. yeah. Very uh, cool. Yeah, I'm just looking for it right now on RPG Now. Is it on our, it's up on our drive-thru? Uh, it, it's not there yet. It is on drive-thru. Yeah, I saw oh. it today. Yeah, it is on drive-thru. Okay. Good. Oh, wow. All right, well... I guess Luke and I need to talk some more. <laughs> <laughs> now, real quick, I think, you know, I thought I had read that, uh, that Tor, you and Luke had kind of swapped roles uh, for Torchbearer. Uh, is that correct? That normally Luke was always doing game design and you were doing uh, the, uh, I'm sorry, 
Yeah, uh, you were doing the editing, and I believe usually Luke would do the game design. Is that true? Yeah, that's absolutely correct. Um, so uh, yeah, I I, uh, I I took the um, the four on this one and and uh, and did the design. Um, but uh, you know, Luke has certainly given me a lot of help along the way. What what prompted the 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 change of roles after you guys had already done it the other way for the last two or three games? Well, I had been working on uh, on this game um, sort of uh, on the side for uh, for several years, um, and then uh, you know Luke came along and said, "You know what you're doing is kind of cool. We should finish this." Um, so, you know, I just continued in the lead. Yeah, uh, Tor right. Tor was working on this since. Um... 2008 when we launched mouse card pretty pretty soon after and the, the game's been through a lot of changes but uh you know you you should understand what it means to be an editor um in a you know role-playing game since the word tour's on a tour wasn't a copy editor or you know oh no that's that. yeah exactly um, you know we, we work pretty uh pretty closely whenever I, I you know i'm ready to move on an idea i come to tour first and I, I have him look at it, and he asks me all sorts of tough questions, and he, you know, helps me think about it in, in uh, you know, different ways. So, you know, that's largely what I did for him for Torchbearer. And, you know, Tor's a much gentler soul than I am, so he didn't, he doesn't usually, you know, crack the whip quite as hard as I do. But um, once we decided to do this, I, I, I set us to a pretty stiff pace as far as finishing development and getting it out there. Um, I mean, we've been working on Torchbearer for four years, but final production, you know, was six months uh, to really get the game uh, out the door. Uh, and, you know, commissioning all of the art, finishing all of the writing, uh, all the editing and, and whatnot. Uh, and then in, in the middle of that, running a Kickstarter campaign, which was insane, which was not smart. Um, <laughs> it's a lot of work running a Kickstarter campaign. But yeah, well, I, I think the biggest... Mm-hmm. I'm sorry oh, about that. I was just going to say that I think that the biggest change for me uh, in all this, aside from actually doing the writing rather than uh, than the editing, uh, has been the uh, doing some of the art direction. Um, oh yeah, that's true. Yeah, that 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 was uh, that was the right the, the major shift in responsibilities was hey, this is your game. You talk to the artists. <laughs> yeah, and you know what? That's actually what I was going to ask. I, I uh, it sounds like you guys have brought back uh, quite a few of the artists you're used to working with, uh, Kurt Komoda. Uh, Richard Lucek, Jen Rogers. Yep. And another old school artist I noticed, Russ Nicholson, who did a lot of the art on the Fiend Folio, yes. and I really enjoy his work. Yeah, we oh. loved working with Russ, uh, and uh, hope to continue working with Russ in the future. Uh, he, he was uh, uh, he's very easy to work with, and just love his work. What was David Peterson like uh, working with? Now he did the art for Mouse Guard, correct? Yeah. Well, I, mean, David, I know he did the graphic novels, but. David is mouse guard. Yeah. And he, so he, he is uh, incredibly exacting to work with um, on his stuff. Oh, his he, art uh, yeah. His art is, is fantastic. And you know, he wanted to be a part of every step of the way of the role-playing game book was, uh, which was a relief. So, you know, he was a pleasure to work with um, on that. And, you know, he really wanted to work on uh, other projects with me. We've had a, a bunch of other projects kind of come up and then go away in the past few years. And then, when uh, Torchbearer came up, he was swamped with the Black Axe uh, and just utterly buried. And so, I mean, he couldn't even, like, respond to my 
emails for like three weeks at a time. And then, so, you know, throughout the process, I was just very gentle. I just put it out there like, Hey, love to have you on this book. I think you like this stuff as much as we do. You know, uh, just let me know if you have any time, you know, these are the pieces like, and, uh, you know, this is what we have on offer. Like any, any of these, let me know. And so every so often I would get a, like, kind of like a, Hey, yep. Okay. Just, you know, I just need a little more time. Like, uh, and then, you know, finally he was like, I will have, like, I will have something to you in three weeks. You know, what's available. You know, I was like, well, I'd love to have you do this. He's like, what else is available? I was like, Ooh, what does that mean? Um, and, uh, so he, it was a mystery. I didn't know what he was going to turn in, uh, until the very end. And he turned in that, sorry, I'm not, you guys don't curse on yours, but he turned in that amazing, um, owlbear piece, which, uh, we're, we're super, super happy about. Yes. Nice. Very cool. Well, how did you guys come about recruiting Peter Mullen and, and Russ Nicholson and Jeff D? How did that come about? Well, when we were talking about how we wanted the book to look, um, you know, we, we started shortlisting the, the artists that, that we really felt um, would, uh, uh, would fit with the project. Uh, one of those artists on the shortlist was Errol Lotus. Um, and we, we spoke with Errol, and um, he, he was excited about the project, and we were excited about it, but we couldn't get our schedules to match up. Um, uh, we, we just hadn't given him enough time. Um, so we, we hope to work with Errol in the future. Um, but, uh, but we couldn't get him into, onto this. Uh, so when we started looking at, uh, at other artists that we loved, um, you know, Russ Nicholson was one that, uh, uh, that both of us were like, yes, you know, we, we <laughs> get Russ, uh, and, uh, and Jeff D too. And, uh, Luke, um, had, um, you'd supported him, uh, in some of his Kickstarter stuff in, um, uh, yeah. remaking some of his art right uh, that's how you made the connection yeah um yeah it, for for jeff I, right i i had back one of his kickstarters where he's redoing some of the art i got some of the uh the stuff i, I think i got the the brain devourer from um the expedition to the barrier peaks oh yeah uh, the uh the intellect devourer part yeah in, intellect devourer sorry excuse yeah me. yeah he's oh. he's even doing a kickstarter now to uh do some more of his uh Art, I guess he did for like the Slave Lord series, so he's still doing that. Yeah, yeah, but I think that's really cool. Um, and yeah, it's a great way for for us, you know, for those of us who still have all those modules to kind of, you know, get in touch with that stuff and support it. Because um, certainly those modules were pretty cheap back in the day. Um, uh, so, and then Russ, we, you know, Tor and I were just poking around and digging through um, a lot of the OSR stuff and just looking to see who is still working and. Uh, I, I saw, I think, um, one of the, the OSR companies had published something of Russ's, and I was like, what is that? Where, like, is he still working? And then I finally managed to track him down. It was hard. Uh, and, uh, you know, we were like, can you illustrate the whole book? Can you do everything? Every piece of art? And he's like, well, no, but I can, you know, I, you know, I, I can definitely do the, these things. And he ended up doing... Uh, four pieces for us, and they're excellent. All of them, they're really yeah. exciting. Very nice. Um, and uh, you know, Peter Mullen. Uh, I don't want to leave him out either, uh, especially since he did the beautiful cover. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, you know, I saw his work in uh, in DCC from Goodman Games, uh, Dungeon Crawl Classics. Yeah. Uh, and I just loved it. Um, so I knew I wanted to work with him, and and uh, 
you know, we we thought that he would just be a perfect fit for the concept we had for the cover, and I, I feel like he delivered above and beyond. Yeah, it was actually uh, Errol uh, recommended him um, when we were when he said I, I, when he passed on the on the cover. Um, uh, he said, "Well, you might check out." Um, Peter Mullen, and so that that that's when it really clicked for Tor. Um, it's like, yeah, we got to get this guy. Well, it sounds like you got a great lineup. Yeah, I mean, one of my like favorites of the book, and who kind of just very quietly just knocks it out of the park, um, are you know our own crew, but especially Jordan Worley. If you look at his pieces throughout the book, he just it is just really solid, just beautiful illustrator. And like, like if you look at the town piece, just so much character and action, um, uh, you know, in, in, uh, you know, in that tiny little frame, he just does such a great job. And he did the, the character design for our iconic characters. And then, you know, so really helped kind of infuse the whole book with a sense of style. Uh, and he's just super low key, but just solid. Very cool. That's very cool. Okay. Uh, uh, I had a, a question on, um, like you kind of mentioned that Owlbear piece, uh, which I can't wait to see, but I guess going along that about monsters, what sort of creatures, what sort of monsters are in are in the Torchbearer game? Obviously, you got the Owlbear <laughs> or something similar to it. And so uh, what other sort of nasties could someone expect when playing Torchbearer? Perhaps the Brain Devourer? Okay. <laughs> Well, the funny thing is, we we don't actually have an owlbear statted up in the book, uh, for which I'm kicking myself. Um, well, it's it's coming. Don't worry. It's coming. Uh, <laughs> so we 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 tried to um, to really get at some of the classics, right? So we we wanted to to very quickly give you, um, you know, some some of the classic monsters, uh, you know, that, that you could just throw into your game, uh, and and use them as as examples to create your own monsters. Um, so, uh, let's see, I've got it right here. So, uh, we've got, uh, barrel whites, uh, black dragons, bugbears, um, creeping ooze, which, uh, is sort of our stand in for all of the various slimes and jellies, mm-hmm. um, dire wolves, ghouls, uh, giant bats, gnolls, goblins, giant rats, of course, uh, got a guardian statue, a harpy, uh, hobgoblin, kobolds. Uh, lizard men, orcs. Uh, we've got a red dragon, um, a stone spider, which is very poisonous. Okay. Uh, uh, tomb guardians, which are your your basic animated skeletons. Mm-hmm. Uh, trolls uh, and were rats, and then we've got a bunch of uh, uh, human NPCs or, or halfling or elven or dwarven as well. Um, so that's that's what we've got to start, and and uh, you know we'll be. Uh, We'll be building on those over time. We've already had a bunch of uh, monsters built by fans uh, over on our forums. Um, one of our fans uh, has been running um, uh, the Moat House, and uh, I think eventually he's going to do Temple of Elemental Evil. Um, uh, so the Village of Hamlet. Uh, so nice. he's he's made all of the the monsters uh, that you need to run the Moat House, uh, which is pretty Very awesome. Very cool. Very cool. Uh, and. Uh, I just have one other question, I guess, kind of putting this all together, the campaign world. Do you have like a default campaign world setting that you have kind of a, 
idea for Torchbearer, or uh, could a DM kind of plug in whatever he has for his own concept of a game world? How does that work? So with the core book, you you plug it in. In fact, you know we we have sort of stats for for towns. Uh, the idea that uh, you know like um, Elf Home or you know um, Dwarfland or or the Wizard's Tower, uh, that sort of thing. And, and you're supposed to you know come up with a name and description for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know the the busy crossroads, that sort of thing. Um, so you know with with the core book, the idea is that the the GM will come up with their setting and plug it in. Um, but on the Kickstarter, we all, uh, one of our uh, our rewards uh, is uh, a gazetteer that I'm hard at work at now, uh, work uh, on now called uh, Mittermark, uh, mm-hmm. which is going to be a, uh, a setting. Um, so all the all the backers will get it uh, in PDF for free, and um, you know we'll probably put it for, uh, put it up for sale after that. Um, so that's going to be um, uh, Luke. How did you describe it? Uh, it's uh, uh, Icelandic Vikings uh, in in North America, uh, kind of thing. But uh, you know, with uh, you know, the, yeah, the idea, you know, the civilization has been built upon ruined civilization. Uh, oh, oh, right. No, it, it's it, right. It's Icelandic Vikings in North America. If North America had been conquered by the Romans, there you go. Interesting. <laughs> wow, yeah. that's a yeah, very yeah. interesting twist. It's it's layer it's it's a deeply layered archaeological dig. Awesome. <laughs> That's a nice spin. I like that. Yeah, I do yeah. too. But you could even someone. It sounds like even with Torchbearer, you could take either your own original idea of a game world, a campaign setting, or you could even maybe plug in something else that's pre-published you, you like and say, hey, you know what? I'm going to try the Torchbearer w- rules with maybe like you know World of Greyhawk or Forgotten Realms. As long as you use that as a basis and use the torchbearer rules, it sounds like it, almost any campaign setting could work. Yeah, as I long as one hundred percent support that. Yeah, yeah, and as long as it's grim and uh, there are swords and torches, you'll be fine. Okay, then I'm sold. <laughs> so, how will the? What if I wanted to play a character from Mouse Guard, yet I wanted to fight an owl bear? Uh, well, you'll have to wait until we release the owl bear stats, but it'll be no problem. Uh, <laughs> nice. Those are tough mice. Yeah, yeah, it, totally no problem. You, you know, you're you're going to have to figure out your your uh, nature scale or whatever your 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 natural order. Like, you know, you're not just going to be able to stick a sword in an owlberry because you're a tiny little mouse. But you know, you're going to be able to get your mouse army together and your uh, mouse scientists and take mouse that owlberry out. And yeah, <laughs> you'll, you'll 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 have to go to mouse war. <laughs> to take It'll out be the great meese horde. Oh, <laughs> yes. Right, so seeing that uh, Torchbearer's level is 1 to 5, what is the next plan for the actual default game? Is it going to be 6 to 10, or you have no idea at this particular time? Uh, we are playtesting lots of mm-hmm. uh, additional material for the game, and we have uh, a lot of exciting ideas for how, how to expand the game. We are, we, we're interested in giving you guys uh, level 6 to 10, um, but we don't want to just... Uh, hand them out willy nilly, right? You know, uh, but we'll probably give out levels six to ten before there's another book, honestly, because um, we we'll, we'll want to make sure that uh, they fit. Right, right. But yeah, they, that stuff just needs to be uh, play tested and play tested extensively. Um, you know, we don't, we don't want to put it out there and then have to fix it. So yeah, the game's going to change too with level six ten. We expect you guys to. 
you know, o- overcome your uh, murder hobo origins and uh, get get into different kinds of trouble. Yes. Uh, I was born a murder hobo, and that's how I'll die. Uh, <laughs> that's that's okay too. All right. Well, you gentlemen. might be a murder hobo with a castle, though. <laughs> We appreciate you coming on the podcast. Thank you very much. Uh, if people want to find out more information about Torchbearer, where can they go? Uh, BurningWheel.com has the Torchbearer forums, counterintuitively. And uh, TorchbearerRPG.com uh, is our kind of uh, host website for news and whatnot. But you can also follow uh, me, Burning underscore Luke, and Mimir9 uh, for Tor on Twitter. Uh, we also have a thriving Google Plus community. Oh, yeah. Um, so... Yes. Uh, Anyone that, that's on Google Plus, you should uh, you should join up and, and join the conversation. I'm there. Anyone else there? They should be right now. Totally. Okay, I'm going. Sorry. All right, come on, Nick. Let's go. <laughs> so, thank you very much for having us, guys. It's been a real pleasure. Yeah, wonderful. Thank you for coming on. Thanks for being on. Yeah, good yeah. luck with Torchbird. It sounds great. Well, Thanks, guys. Thank so much. And I'm going to look into Mouse Guard as well. I actually, I was always a big fan of Redwall. So. Yeah, that's always seemed reminiscent of me to me as well. So, yeah. Okay, great. Cool. So I'm going to say keep it original, keep it old school, and good night, everybody. Good night, everyone. Good night. The Roll for Initiative podcast is a production of Wild Games Productions in association with d20radio.com. You can visit us at rfipodcast.com or contact us on our forums at osrgaming.org or even by calling us at 570-865-4210. This podcast is produced for entertainment purposes only. All other uses are prohibited. And remember, if your magic missile spell doesn't automatically hit, you're playing the wrong edition. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time on Roll for Initiative. Roll for Initiative.